Father, uh, uh, we do look forward tonight to what we're going to learn, how we're going to grow with you. And we look at this guy we, we call the Apostle Paul, this man that you raised up. And, and Lord, what a great testimony. And God, how great it is just to hear from your heart to his heart to our hearts. And Lord, I know we're coming from a lot of different places, a lot of different circumstances and things going on in our lives. But God, here's the thing is you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can build that strong relationship with you. And Lord, I just pray that through this time tonight, it would be again a time where we're getting strengthened, where, where Lord, we can trust you more and love you more. So I just pray you'd have your hand on us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we get ready tonight, as we're continuing on, one thing to keep in mind is Paul is in prison and he's writing this from prison. And he's encouraging the saints and, and talking to them about their relationship and what does that look like and what does that mean and, and, and how is their relationship with the Lord affecting their lives, their day-to-day -day lives. So going through that. Now, last time, he had that whole quote to me, his kind of big finale of letting them know if anybody could boast about who they are and what they accomplished as a Jew, I could do that. And then remember what he said, I count all of that rubbish or dung or manure. I mean, listen, he looked at that and counted it all the way. Now, listen, now he kind of transitions a little bit, but he's encouraging you and I that we need to go forward. And here's the thing tonight, he's gonna let us know, I haven't attained everything I wanna attain. Remember, he said that he wanted to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to know him and the power of his resurrection and then be united with him in that joy and in his suffering. And now verse 12, listen, verse 12, Paul's gonna say, but I'm not there yet. And here's what I like. All of us, listen, all of us should be desiring to grow in the Lord. We should be wanting to go deeper with him and further with him. And I wrote down, listen, I wrote down four things that God has given us for this path to push forward and to go forward. The first thing we have is to me kind of obvious, God's word. We have his word in front of us. The second thing we have is prayer. Those are things I'm praying we, we take advantage of that. And then the third thing we have are godly examples, whether they're biblical examples or real life examples. I pray that you have heroes of the faith, heroes in your Bible, but also modern day heroes, men and women that you can look up to, that you can say, man, look at their walk. I wanna be like them. And then the last thing he's given us is the thing we all love the most. It's called trials, difficulties in our life. Those are the things I think refine us. Those are the things that, listen, we're not promised, as some say, we're not promised to live happily ever after and have no trials and no tribulation. As a matter of fact, my Bible says, if you really love God, you're going to suffer persecution. You're going to suffer trials. So that's saying something God uses, and it depends on how we look at those, on how we react to them, and how they affect our lives. So listen, Paul has said, all I wanna know 
is I want to know more about Jesus. I want to fall more in love with him. I want to know the power of his resurrection, and I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. And then he says this, because I think verse 12 is important. Not that I have already attained. Now, before we go on, listen to what he's saying. I'm not there yet. I'm not even close to being there yet. I love, I wrote down, here's what Paul says, I have not received everything yet, like some people think. I've not become everything yet. And then he says, listen, I've not done everything yet. Because sometimes, listen, this is 30 years after Paul was introduced to the Lord. And sometimes we think, well, man, if I've walked with the Lord for 30 years, I must have arrived. You know when we arrive? When we get to heaven, that's when we arrive. So here's what Paul, and this is a great section. Listen, this is a great section. I don't know if you kind of hang out with somebody. You know, there's, there's a whole denomination built around sinless perfection. And then there are some people built around the idea that they've achieved this sinless perfection. And Paul, in this section, is saying, ah, uh, that doesn't exist. One of my favorite stories is uh, uh, reading about Charles Spurgeon. You should read some of his biography. If you, if you don't read it all, you should read snippets of it. This guy, Charles Spurgeon was crazy. I think he was like a Calvary Chapel pastor before there was Calvary Chapel. And one of my favorite stories is he's having lunch with a guy who was into sinless perfection. And they're eating lunch together and the guy told Charles Spurgeon that he had not sinned in five years. And Charles Spurgeon goes, really? Like he's kind of amazed, right? Like, you haven't sinned in five years? And the guy says, nope. And Charles Spurgeon stands up, picks up a pitcher of water, pours it on the guy's head, and says, now you have. Hmm. Right? Made the guy really mad. Now, here's the thing. People, people and I just think that guy's nuts, right? So I, here's the thing. But people who are into that doctrine, here's what they do. They redefine sin, and they call it something else. So here's what Paul's saying. I want to somehow, right, I want to know the power of his resurrection, and somehow, and, and, and the fellowship of his suffering, and in that somehow attain to the resurrection. I want to get there. That's where I want to be. And listen, he's not just hoping he will be resurrected. Here's what Paul's whole walk was about, about becoming more like Jesus, about being made into his image. Isn't that what we're promised? And Paul was like focused on that. And he, here's what he says. I want that, but here's what he says. But I haven't attained that yet. I'm not there yet. So he says, listen, verse 12 again. Not that I've already attained or am I already perfected. I love that, right? Hey, I'm not there. Now here's what I think. If the Apostle Paul, after 30 years and planting churches and writing most of the New Testament, if the Apostle Paul's saying, he ain't there yet, I don't think any of us got any room to say, I have arrived. And again, his last letter that he writes to Timothy, what does he say to Timothy? I am the chief of all sinners. Not I was, but I am. So here's what he says. I've not attained, nor or have I already, or, or nor am I already perfect, but, I love this, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. I believe he's talking about all of us, this should be, this should be our desire, that we would want to get to the place that Jesus wants to get us to. 
Isn't that what he's saying? Listen, Jesus got a hold of us for a reason. And he got a hold of us to make us into his image, to make us more like him. And Paul says, I press on. That word for press on, you know, is, is, is more like an like a athletic term. And, you know, we're in the middle of Olympics. I don't know if many people know that from what I understand. Not many are watching or whatever. But we're in the middle of Olympics. And, and, and as you think about that, man, those people who train, they train for, and, and I was telling Gaynell today, kind of a bummer for some of them, their whole life has been built around this one time. And they have no audience. They have nothing going. It's kind of downplayed. It's kind of, it's kind of a bummer this time, I think. And this is, again, my personal thing going on. But listen, man, they train. And here's what Paul says. I train. I press on. Everything in my life is to achieve this one goal. And what is his goal? To be made in the image of Christ. His goal is not salvation. He's already saved. And here's what I like in their day where the Olympics originally came from. Only Roman citizens could participate in the Olympics. So you were already a citizen. What you were doing were participating in something that gave you a wreath or in their day they participated just for this crown that they would put on. But listen carefully. If they lost, they didn't lose their citizenship. They just didn't get that prize. And it's the same for us. We've all been made citizens of heaven, right? Nod your heads if you're born again. If you're not born again, don't, don't nod your head. But if you're born again, we've been, we're, we're already citizens. So we're not talking about salvation. What we're talking about is the glory and becoming more like Christ. So he's saying, man, listen, I strain, I stress, I push. Do you ever watch those athletes, I think especially the running athletes, how right at the end, man, they're just stretching everything they have to, to hit that ribbon, to hit across that finish line so they're faster. Even if it's a millisecond, man, they're right ahead of that other person. And it's all of their muscles, everything's involved. That's what this pressed on means. Paul is doing that. Everything, every ounce of energy he has is doing that. But notice also, it's Christ already laid hold of me for that. We looked earlier, right, that he's the one that's gonna complete the work that he started. He promises to do that. We just have to learn to trust him and believe him. Now, having said that, here's this section as we move on to verse 13. Here's what Paul's gonna say. We have a responsibility. What I love about this section is it's a section teaching us that you're not, gonna re, you're not gonna reach sinless perfection, but it's also a section teaching us that we don't just sit around and hope that it happens by osmosis and we're gonna be changed by just sitting around. We gotta participate in this thing. We gotta be part of it. So here's what he says, brethren, and, and listen in verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to, appreh to have apprehended. Are you kinda getting the idea that Paul is fully aware that he's not there yet? Like he said it three times in a verse and a sentence, right? He's letting us know he knows where he's at. Now, I think here's the question. Do we know where we're at in our relationship with the Lord and our walk with the Lord? Are we comfortable? And once again, have we evaluated our life and seen, am I growing? Am I changing? Am I moving forward? Or how about this? Am I really striving to be what God has called me to be? Listen to what he says. I've not apprehended, 
But here's what he says. But one thing, or one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The one thing Paul does is this main thing, is that he keeps the main thing the main thing. And he doesn't let things get in the way of the main thing. I believe, listen, I believe this is more of an individual calling or whatever we want to talk about here. I believe verse 12 is kind of talking about everybody in this relationship we have. Now he's getting more specific and he's letting you and I know something, that we need to do this one thing and we need to do it really, really, really well. Do you know those people who are involved in a, and they're scattered all over and they're involved in like a hundred things and they do nothing well, right? They're doing, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way. My wife might, I might not get dinner tonight, but <laughs> it's not about her, her mom. My wife's mom would be involved in like a hundred different things and never really like get all the way in. She'd get almost good at it and then move on to the next thing. Do you know people like that? And, and I loved my, my mother-in-law. She was great. But she had that thing about her. Do you guys know people like that? Some of you are giving me dirty looks. Stop. I'm not looking at her. <laughs> she knows. And some of us do our Christian walk that way. We dabble in this and we dabble in that and we play around with this and we play around with that. But we're never, we're never good at one thing. The one thing. Listen, I believe, I believe all of us have a main calling in the Lord, the one thing that he's called us to do. And we need to focus on that. And we need to, here's what he's saying, man. I put all of my attention on that. And it may take us a while to find that one thing, but once we find it, man, we need to go hard after it. And here's what Paul's saying. All of that other stuff, listen, all of that stuff doesn't matter. He says, what does he say? I'm gonna do that one thing, I do forgetting those things which are behind. Oh, he's already brought that up in verses one through 11, right? What were the things that were behind for Paul? Think about this. What were the things that were behind for Paul? They were successes. They weren't failures, right? He was, he was successful in his relationship with the Lord, quote, as a Jew, and he climbed to the highest place. And here's what he says. None of that matters. I'm gonna forget that, not in the sense of I'm gonna get amnesia and never think about it. I'm not gonna count on that. What I'm going to do is I'm looking forward and I'm living in the present and I'm looking forward to what I can do for God. Some of us, some of us, listen, some of us, we're just resting on past experiences or past things that the Lord has done. And we're not looking forward and we're not, we're not living in the present right now. And that's dangerous. That's a bad place to be, especially if you have some really cool things that God did in the past. It sometimes bothers me when people come, you know what God did to me, you know, 15 years ago? That's great, but what did he do to you yesterday or today? What are you and him doing right now? And so that's just what Paul's talking about. Now, having said that, there's others who we look in our past and all we see is heartache and hardship and we let that define our present or future. That's not good either. You can't do that. 
Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying, forgetting the past, again, not wiping it out of my memory, but not allowing it to define who I am now, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Doesn't matter. I'm living now. I'm in the present. I'm doing this now. I think that's important that you and I need to understand that and we need to focus on that. I think Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, he said something about, right? Didn't he say, no one having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Hey, we gotta look, we gotta look forward. If you've ever run any kind of race, here's what you know. You don't look to see who's behind you. The minute you do that, you're probably going to, if you're like me, stumble and fall. But if you're a really good athlete, you're gonna shave seconds off that the guy beside you is gonna use to his advantage. You look forward, don't look back. And Paul says, listen, I don't look back at those things. And he says, which are behind me, but I'm reaching again is that that stress and that straining. I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Are you excited about what God is gonna do in your life tomorrow? How about next week? How about next year? And listen, I'm not saying you need to make a plan. I am definitely not that guy. People have come to me and said, Pat, what's your five-year plan for the church? Yes. (laughs) I don't do those things. Listen, I don't do that. I'm looking at this thing, and 11 years ago, we moved into this building. Who would have thought that we would be where we're at today? I had no idea. We were just doing things, right? And we didn't have, listen, we didn't sit down and strategize. Now, if we do this, and we do this, and this is going to happen, and, you know, some of the people that are more involved, some of the people on the board are going, really, he doesn't have a plan. (laughs) He's clueless. But listen, listen carefully. I look to the future because I want to see what Jesus is going to do in my life. And I'm concerned about the church, but I'm more concerned about me. I want to, listen, I want to be involved with him. I want I want to know what he's got for me. I want to know what direction he wants me to go. And hopefully, listen, hopefully, I can impart that to the church and we can all move in a certain direction. But do you get the idea? Listen, this is not about a group thing. This is about an individual thing. And Paul's saying me. This is happening to me. Not the apostle Paul, not the leader Paul, not the one who's writing the epistles. This is an individual talking about his relationship with his Lord and this is how he looks at it. And you and I need to have that same heart. We need to be people who we're serious about our relationship. We're serious about, hey, I'm looking forward to it and I'm gonna do everything, everything in my power to go forward. So then, listen, then he says, he's not done yet. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Again, he keeps using these athletic terms over and over and over. You know, it's interesting the terminology Paul would use. He would use agricultural things, right? He would use, he would use military things. He's using here, he's using athletic things. He's using things that all of us are familiar and we deal with. And he's talking about, man, we gotta go hard. Have you ever noticed the athletes that are very successful are the athletes that focus on one thing? They're not an athlete that does many things. They're an athlete that does one thing and they do it really well. Think about, think about you know, the goats. That's the big term right now, right? Goats, greatest of all time, not bad goats. 
But think about, think about just recently, and that's become a big popular thing, you know, who's the goat of this and who's the goat of that. But when you think about that, what are the goats? They're the men and women who have focused their entire being on that one thing. I want to be a goat for Jesus. Well, no, wait, he separates the sheep from the goats. <laughs> Not good. Just blank that part of the recording. <laughs> I want to go as far as I possibly can go with Jesus. And Paul is saying, listen, man, I press, I press, I strive, I work for this. I press forward for the goal, for the prize. Now, here's what's interesting. Reading commentaries, everybody's wondering what that prize is. What, what do you think the prize is? It's like they're opening a box of Cracker Jacks or something. Like, what do you think? What do you think the prize is? What has he been talking about? What is his thing? He's been talking about knowing him. He's been talking about being made in his image. He's been talking about, he wants to what? He wants to know the power of his resurrection. He wants to share in his suffering. What is he? He's talking about being more like Jesus. Listen, he's not talking about, I just want to get to heaven. He's talking about, I want to get to heaven with a party going on, right? I want it to happen. I think the greatest words we will ever hear is well done, good and faithful servant. And Paul is saying, that's what I'm doing, man. I'm, 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 listen, I counted all of that stuff that was in some eyes glorious. It's dung to me. It's manure to me compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, compared to understanding him. So he says, man, I'm pushing forward. I'm pressing on for that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Once again, have you noticed there's this union between man and God? I believe, listen, I believe God will do amazing things in us and through us. We just gotta be people who are willing to let him do that. We gotta be willing in some ways to get out of the way, but in other ways to get off our, our seats and go forward. And it's hard, listen, it's hard. And we're gonna talk about, because a lot of us, are, we're afraid of certain things. We kinda of, we kind of put all these obstacles in our way. Instead of saying, I'm gonna press forward, I'm gonna go for it, I'm gonna do it, we, we, we do this. Yeah, but, yeah, but, what about this? What about that? What about this? And we begin to make all of these excuses of, of different things, and we, listen, and we're in the same place we were with the Lord five years ago. Nothing's changed. We're just in that same place, but we're still, yeah, button. I would do it, but, I would go forward, but, and so Paul's saying, man, I'm not letting anything hold me back. I think you only become like the Apostle Paul by letting go. And by going forward, listen to what he says, verse 15. Listen, therefore, so here's what he's done. He's told us, this is my life. Here's a little picture of Paul that most of you don't know. That's what he's saying. You don't know this, but here's my life. Here's what my heart is. Here's what's going on. Therefore, that's a conclusion, right? Therefore, let as many let us, as many are as mature, have this mind. Here's what he's saying. Some of your translations might say, as many as are perfect. That's a bad translation. He's not talking about 
perfection. He's talking about mature. Here's what he's saying. As many of us as we're going forward and we're growing and we're mature and we're taking those steps, as many of us as, as, as are that way, and I love the idea. Listen, he doesn't single himself out. He doesn't say, well, the rest of you need to catch up to me because I am awesome. He's just saying we're all, all of us who are mature, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. What's this mind? That I want to know him and the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. That I want to know that. I want to be more like Christ. I want to, see, I want to, I want to get a singular focus in my life. I don't want to be that person that's got the shotgun effect and I'm going all over the place. I want to focus. I want to narrow it down. I want to think about it. And he goes, all of us, listen, all of us that are mature, he says, listen, let us have the same mind. Let us change the world. It's interesting. Seems like the world's pretty messed up, doesn't it? Well, who's going to fix it? It's us-ins. Hey, we're the believers we're the ones that Jesus left here. Hey, he didn't take us to heaven. He left us here. Why? To glorify him and honor him and do the work that's in front of us and not just sit back. So Paul says, all of us, let all of us have the same mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Now here, or reveal even this to you. Here's what I love. Paul says, here's what we need to do. Come on. Do you kind of get the idea? Come on, let's all go. And he goes, and if you don't want to go, God will let you know. I love, listen, I love the idea. I, I think it's a bad, bad ministry when you try and beat people into doing things. As pastors, we call that beating the sheep. And you just put them down and you just hammer them and you just get on them and here's what you need to do. You need to keep going. Here's what I love. If anybody could beat the sheep, I think Paul could. Here's what he says. If you want to think different than me, go for it. God will deal with you. And I think we should have that attitude somewhat, not, not in people's faces. Some of us go, I tell people that all the time. God's going to deal with you. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, hey, I want to go forward, and I want to go forward with everybody that wants to go forward. But if you don't want to go forward, that's your business. You're not accountable to Paul, and in this fellowship, you're not accountable to me. You're accountable to God. And hey, you have, you have a different mind. You have a different thing you need to do. Hey, that's fine. Here's what he says. God will reveal even this to you. God will take care of it. I love that attitude. I remember years ago being with an individual. Well, it was Chuck Smith Jr. And he told the story himself that Chuck Smith Sr. asked Chuck Jr. to teach at his church. And, I mean, that's, that's an honor, right? And he was pretty honored by it, and he said, oh, Dad, thank you. I would love to do that. And then Chuck Sr. told Chuck Jr. this, just don't beat my sheep the way you beat your sheep. Wow. Ouch. Ouch. That changed how Chuck Jr. did ministry. So sometimes those little spankings are good, right? Sometimes they're okay. 
And sometimes, listen, sometimes, sometimes as, as younger pastors, we, we kind of get this idea, man, I'm excited and I gotta get everybody excited and the only way I know to get them excited is just beat the snot out of them. And that doesn't work. And so here's what Paul, I love Paul, he's going, hey, that doesn't work, that's not good. So he says, even God will show this to you. And then he says, nevertheless, listen, so here's that thing, right? Here's that thing, he's saying, let's go forward, all of us are the same mind, let's do this. If you don't have the same mind, God will deal with you. Nevertheless, I like that. You kind of get the idea, he's like, come on, he's holding out hope, come on, guys. And he says, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. Here's what he's saying. Guys, let's get going. Those of us who agree, let's go forward. And don't listen. Don't focus on people who don't agree with you. Don't focus on those who are not gonna go forward, on those who are, who are, who are kind of pushing back. Let's just go forward. And I love that idea. I've said it at times like this to some people that maybe are, are uh, volunteering to serve or people who are in some positions or even our staff. I tell them this, the bus is leaving. You can either get on the bus or you can stay here, but the bus is going. That's what Paul is saying here. We're going and you can either get on this bus or not, but let's have the same mind. Come on guys. Let's get going. And I read this and I think, man, come on. Let's think about, let's think about what we're called to. Since it's the Olympic season, I've got an Olympic story for us. This was back in the Mexico City Games, back in 1968. The Mexico City Games, there was a guy from Tanzania who was running in a marathon. And he wasn't great, but he was doing okay. And then he fell and cut his knee, pretty brutally. And he kind of limped along and he finished. And he finished way last. It's always fun. And the media came to him and said, why did you finish? Why did you do that? Here's what he said. My country didn't send me 7,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish a race. Yes, yes. That's what we're talking about. We need to have that in our hearts. We need, to, we need to understand, listen, Jesus didn't, he didn't just save us and just to get us to heaven. If that was the case, I believe, listen, you guys, if you've been here anytime, you know, I believe if our salvation was just to get to heaven, I believe when we would say the sinner's prayer, poof, we'd be gone, right? Because then we'd be in heaven and we couldn't mess it up. Jesus is not, you know, I'm not gonna leave you here, man, because you mess that up. So I think he'd take us. Why are we here? We're here not just to start the race. We're here to finish the race. To go all the way with him. Now, listen to this. I wrote these things down because I think this is kind of a practical thing that a lot of us kind of have a hard time and most of us are still stuck on. We don't forget the things behind us. We kind of carry them around as anchors. You gotta deal with that. You gotta figure that out. And I know modern psychology says you need to do certain things. My Bible says you need to forget them. Again, not an idea that you're gonna get, get amnesia. You're not gonna let them be the anchor around you. So I wrote down 10 reasons, 10 reasons why we don't do what we were just exhorted to do. 10 reasons why we don't fix our eyes on the prize and we don't fix our eyes on the goal. So I'm gonna give you those and, and I guess I should have made a slide. But number one, number one, or 
Actually, it's number 10. I'm gonna go from 10 back. One of the ways to really fail in this is to be really vague about what you wanna do. Don't have, a, don't have a focus thing, have a vague thing. I was talking to a young guy uh, Tuesday, and it was kind of funny. This young guy is telling me, man, you know what, Pastor Pat? I wanna be successful in business. And I go, okay, that's good. What kind of business? Just business. Here's what I thought. You are not gonna make it, man, <laughs> if you keep it that broad and that abstract. And, but this is what a lot of us do. Hey, I really wanna go forward with the Lord. And you go, well, what are you doing? What are you gonna do to get there? What is your goal? What are you looking for? Oh, I just wanna go forward, you get me? So number one, or number 10, you wanna, you wanna be unsuccessful, you be vague, and don't get specific about what you wanna do. The next thing, number nine, or number two, I'm gonna confuse everybody, <laughs> is this, I think this is the best. Keep it a secret. Do not, never tell, your, tell people about your dreams for the future, not even yourself. I remember when I felt like the Lord was calling me into pastoral ministry. I had done other things. I had been at the Bible college for a couple semesters, and I really felt like the Lord was calling me. I didn't want to say it out loud. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't even want to tell my own heart. I was trying to suppress that and keep it down. And I remember somebody challenged me, not, and they had no idea what I was dealing with, and they challenged me to write down, and this is fun, just read First and Second Corinthians, I think all of Paul's letters, but just First and Second Corinthians, and write down every autobiographical remark that Paul makes and you begin to see the Apostle Paul. But here's what you also begin to see. He had a vision for what God had called him to do, and he wasn't keeping it a secret. Don't keep it a secret. If you feel like God has called you to do something, and here's the thing, you may tell somebody and they might laugh at you. It's okay. Or you might tell someone and they might put their arm around you and say, I don't see that in your life. And here's what you need to do. Okay, thank you. Maybe I'm wrong about this. But you get my point? So you wanna fail? Just keep it a secret. Here's the thing, you're never gonna find out by doing that. And then number eight, or number eight, hang around people who also aren't going for their goals. That's always good, right? Hang out with those people that just like have no ambition, no goal in mind, no direction in mind, and guess what, how that's gonna influence you. You're not gonna have any goal, you're not gonna have anything. I like this, I, I wrote this down. Success is contagious, so stay away from anyone who has clear goals and a plan to achieve them, because that's gonna freak you out. Have you ever been around those people that they're just like, they're laser focused on what they wanna do and you're going, ah. We should get around more people like that. So, that was number eight, number seven. Never, ever, ever, listen carefully, if you don't wanna succeed, go down this path. Never, ever, ever write down your goals. Make sure you don't do that. Because if you write them down, now they're gonna be more real and writing them down, all of a sudden, you gotta take a giant step to achieve those because you've written them down. Hmm. Isn't this fun? Some of you are mad at me. Number six. This is one of my favorites. 
listen to all of your fears and doubts and embed those. If you accidentally find yourself moving towards a goal, quickly, quickly give in to your fears and doubts. After all, fear is stronger than you, right? Give in, to, and that's the thing. I can't tell you how many times in my personal life, whether it's been taking that first step and serving somewhere or whether it's been other things, how many times there are those who try and feed on those fears and they go, well, you can't do that. And then here's what I think pretty soon. I can't do that. Now, I've shared with you before, I got a lot of failing grades in school. And you get your first one, and it's a little devastating. After that, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> but a lot of us are afraid to fail in life. I look at my failures in life as the greatest learning experiences I've ever had. And so you give into that fear. So you give into that fear. Guess what? You're not even going to get close to your goal. So listen to your fears and doubts. Number five, we're halfway through. Give up the instant you are faced with an obstacle. The instant something comes up, I knew this would never work. I'm not supposed to do this, right? Any of you do that? You guys are all like have blank faces. You ever do that? You ever hit that first obstacle? What, no, hey, we can even not talk spiritual just in life. And you hit it and you go, I knew that was going to happen. And then there's always somebody around to pat you on the back. Of course that was going to happen. It's you. Right? So give up the first obstacle that pops up. And then this is, this is my favorite. Take the advice of anyone who thinks your goals are ill-advised, impossible, improper, wrong, crazy, unaffordable, naive. Let's just listen to the naysayers. Have you ever had people come in your life and tell you things like that could never happen. I've shared with you before, I remember one time we were getting ready to go on a trip to Israel and I had some medical things that hit me pretty hard. And yet the trip was like a month away or something. It wasn't, it wasn't within a time where I could cancel it. And I remember a good friend of mine, I said, hey, I'm going on this trip. And this really good friend of mine goes, you can't go. And I think, why are you telling me this? Why are you doing this to me? And I says, I gotta go. And he says, you can't go. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And he names all of these things and it kind of gets in your head, right? And here's what I said, I don't care. I'm going. And you know what? I went on that trip and you know what? Every one of his ifs happened. <laughs> Every one of them happened. But guess what? My God met me in those ifs and we made it through. Here I am today, right? I didn't die. I didn't vanish. But here's what happens, and people throw the ifs in there, and we go, oh, they're right. What if that does happen? Oh, I can't do that. Or my favorite, are you crazy? When we went to buy this property, the state owned this land. And at that time, it was, the state was locked down as far as selling. I got a hold of one of the major real estate people in Sierra Vista. I'll never forget this conversation. I called him and said, hey, Jeff, what do you think? I want to go after this state land. Here's his exact words. Pat, that will never happen. I go, are you sure? I've been doing real estate here for 20 years. That will never happen. Okay, well, what if I called the state? It's not going to happen. I called the state, 
talked to a lady, and this partial parcel was part of a, this parcel actually went all the way to Linster, all the way there. Well, we didn't want to buy that much because it's ex- land in Sierra Vista is expensive. There's gold in it. Just thought I'd let you know. So, so we divided it up, and I remember I went to this lady in Tucson with the state de- land department, and I said, here's where we want to divide it, and we divided it where a good division point and stuff, and then we don't want to go on the piece of property that went out to, uh, to uh, Fry Boulevard because that has gold and silver on it. So, you know, we said we don't want to do it. So we split it all up, and I said, here's what we want to do. She goes, that's a really small piece of property. And I said, okay. She goes, I don't think it's going to happen. So you're telling me there's a chance. (laughs) You said think. He said never. You said think. And she goes, "Eh." She goes, here's the thing. Even if I do all the work, getting it ready for you and stuff, you'll be at the bottom of the list. List? All right. Now there's a bigger chance. And I remember we went for it and we went through things and, and, you know, I mean, it was a long process just to get the bare land. And we were working with an individual that was with a state senator at the time. And this guy, I don't, he, all of a sudden this guy calls us, I want to help you. And I went, yes. And he's like pouring in, he's helping us, he's moving it along. I think we got up the list like five places, you know, of 30. But we got up and we're moving and I thought, yes. And then all of a sudden that guy disappeared. I'm going, what happened to him? So I called that senator's office and I said, so-and-so has been helping us with this state land and I can't get a hold of him. What happened? And they go, he was never supposed to be doing that and he's not with us any longer. Oh. Oh, he got fired. That's what you're telling me. So now I'm thinking, now we're back at ground zero and doing some stuff. Anyway, long story short, here we are 11 years later, right? Listen, and, and we had people all along. It'll never work. And... Our saving grace of all things, Walmart. Yes. Because Walmart did a shady land deal to get the land where the super center is now. Uh, If any of you know, that was the shadiest land deal I think Sierra Vista has ever done. Because the state gave the land to Sierra Vista. They had horse stables. Sierra Vista, when Walmart wanted it, Sierra Vista gave it back to the state so the state could sell it to Walmart. Oh, And that opened up the door for us. Yes. Yes. And we didn't do anything shady. Walmart did. So here we are. So what were we talking about? We're talking about about people who tell you you're never going to make it. Now, okay, sorry. So number three, this is a big one too. Like these last ones really get to me. Number three, never, ever, ever, ever take a risk. Never go to the state and say, I want to buy this piece of property. Don't do it. If you do that, you know what? God may bless that. And then you'll be surprised. Robert Furrow used to get mad at me. I used to go all over this town and I would see vacant property or a building empty and I would, I would find out who owned it and I would write him a letter and ask him to give it to us. We didn't have any money. i said, say, would you give us this building? Robert Furrow used to call me. Pat, would you stop doing that? You embarrass me. I go, you don't live in Sierra Vista. What do you care? You're in Tucson. It doesn't influence you. I know, but you're just an embarrassment. And I said, one of these times, somebody's going to say yes, although they didn't. But anyway, so (laughs) never take a risk, right? And then these just get better and better. Never, ever start anything until you are 100% sure of the outcome of that thing. Because that's the way a lot of us walk through life. 
I remember when I was going to leave working for Phelps Dodge, the mining company. They offered me a job in, in one of their other places, Morency or someplace. And they offered me a job when I got laid off in Bisbee, when they closed down Bisbee. And I wanted to go, I wanted to go for making pottery. I wanted to try it. Weird idea, I know. And here's what I will always remember, my father-in-law. I sat down and talked to him, and he goes, Pat, you're young. You can probably reinvent yourself a couple times, and if you don't do it now, you'll regret it the rest of your life. Go for it. Did I have a complete 100% plan? No. But see, those are the kind of people you want to talk to, those people who encourage you to do things. So, hey, so if you want to fail or you never want to go down this path, don't, don't start till you're doing it. And then, number one of number one, right? See any unexpected results for what they really are, failures. If you begin to look at things and say, that was a failure, you're gonna get discouraged, you're gonna quit, and you're not gonna do anything, and guess what? 10 years from now, you're gonna be the same place you are tonight as a believer. You're not gonna have grown any, you're not gonna have changed any, you're not gonna have come out any, you're just gonna be in the same place. You're not gonna be more like Jesus, you're gonna be the same as you are tonight. And here's what Paul's saying, let's go, let's go forward. And hey, something comes up, even if it is a failure, it's no big deal. You just failed. Pick yourself up and get going again. Here's what I found in my life, man. Jesus uses those and he teaches us through those and he encourages us. So those are the top 10 things to do if you don't want to go forward. I kind of did a, a reverse thing, right? If you want to go forward, there's only one thing you need to do. Got it? Are you ready? This is heavy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the prize. I want to be more like Jesus. And here's what I know for me. I still got a lot of growing up to do. I got a lot of things he needs to change in my life, he needs to fix in my life. And I want him to do that. Next year, I want to be more like Jesus than I am this year. And I just want to grow in the understanding of who he is. That's what Paul's talking about. So here's the deal. Let's me and you, to the degree, listen, again, verse 16, to the degree that we are, have already attained. Listen, we've gone this far. Why are we stopping? Let's go further. If you've seen the pottery presentation, it's a good example of this, right? I do a pot that's just straight up and down and ugly from a potter's perspective. Ugly. And that's where most of us want to stop with Jesus because we've grown, we've changed. We're not just an ugly lump. Now we're like a cylinder and we go, look at me, I'm all that. And God says, man, I got so much more for you if you simply trust me. Let's grow. Let's change as a church. Let's stand up and pray. Father, as we get ready to go, let us be people who we keep our eyes on that prize, as Paul says. And we never forget, God, that according to your word, you want to 
make us into the image of Jesus. That you have that desire to change us radically. And I pray we could stay focused on that. And we could be a people, God, who allow you to have your way. The one who has begun a good work in us will see it through to that day of completion. And that means that we're gonna have to be doing something. And it's so easy to get sidetracked. So I pray tonight, I pray that as we think about what we read, we think about some of those things that we just talked about, those, those things that we all know that we allow to creep into our lives, that man, we would, we would be like Paul. This one thing I do is I press forward and I don't allow those things to get me. I don't, listen, I don't look back, but I'm looking into the future and I'm living in the present. Be glorified in our lives. And, and I'm gonna ask you to just stay in an attitude, an attitude of prayer for a couple more moments. And if you are here tonight and you've never, listen, you've never surrendered to Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, to come into your life and to guide and direct you. Tonight is the night to do that. You can begin the journey that we're talking about. Hey, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be at the end. You're gonna be at the beginning. But you're not here by mistake. So if God is speaking to you, I'm just gonna challenge you, call on his name. Let him know that tonight you realize you're a sinner. That tonight you realize that you need salvation. And then ask him to save you. And if you come to that place, listen, if you come to the place where you know you need salvation, you're gonna be at that place where you know you've offended a holy God. So call on his name. And my Bible says, and you will be saved. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer with me out loud. You can say it silently, but it's gotta come from your heart. You need to be sincere about it. If you're backslidden, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Let him know that you wanna come home. Say this prayer with us. If you're watching online, you can say this prayer with us. And right where you're at, call on his name. Jesus, tonight... I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I want you to come into my heart and change me. And Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. <laughs>